Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. This isn't Scott. No, it's Rick Zamprin filling in for Scott today. Lots to get to today, including a new study from Brock University that says young adults who are lax when it comes to following COVID-19 rules score low on honesty and humility categories for personality tests. Rolling Stone has revamped their 500 greatest albums of all time. Should Halloween be canceled this year? And pumpkin spice craft dinner. Would you eat something like that? Enjoy the podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Rick Zamprin in for Scott today. Thank you for listening. This really caught my eye today when I saw it flash across my email inbox. A new study from Brock University shows personality traits are linked to COVID-19 response in young adults. A recently released study, The Influence of Demographics and Personality on COVID-19 Coping in Young Adults, suggests young adults who are lax with abiding by COVID-19 protocols score low on the honesty, humility, and conscientiousness categories of a scale measuring personality traits. Hmm. Study was published on September 15th in the journal Personality and Individual Differences, and it found that introverts find it more difficult coping with the isolation of lockdowns than their extroverted counterparts. And if you want to get youth to abide by COVID-19 protocols, it might take some hard lessons. Well, let's talk to our guest about this. His name is Tony Volk professor in the Department of Child and Youth Studies at Brock University and the lead author of this study. Tony, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. So uh, I always like these kind of things because it makes you think, and it's making me think about, um, you know, how these individuals look at this pandemic and how they decide, I guess, at the end of the day, how to deal with certain aspects. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of what you found, how was this study conducted? How did you reach out to people? Oh, we did this study by uh, reaching out to people online through Amazon, of course, what else? Um, they actually have a Mechanical Turk service where people can do tasks online. So we offered uh, $20 an hour for people to uh, sit down and fill out the survey as long as they tick the boxes of being aged 24 to 35 um, and not currently having COVID-19. So what did you expect to find and what did you ultimately discover? Well, one of the things that we expected to find was that first, extroverts would have a harder time because they were being isolated. And second, there was a lot of talk in the uh, media about how people were being frustrated, getting worn out. So we expected that people who were impatient or angry would be more likely to flaunt the rules. Um, And what we actually found out was that while that may be true, uh, potentially for older adults, we didn't look at that. Um, and anecdotally, that seems to be the case. For younger adults, it wasn't so much a feeling of I have to get out or I'm angry with these rules. It was simply, I want to look after myself. I'm not at risk. I'm going to have fun today. So it's more of a selfish attitude uh, than anything else. A selfish and, and short term. So the honesty, humility kind of measures your selfishness and the conscientiousness is, you know, how reliable you are, how much you plan ahead. So this is a very much a a live for the day and live for yourself kind of attitude. Which goes, I mean, when you when you think of young adults or or people in their early 20s or early 30s, um, they may not necessarily look at the big picture, the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to really point out that this is only 
portion of them who weren't following the rules. There are a significant number of young adults, you know, who are able to think ahead about their future, worry about their grandparents, etc. Uh, but for those who weren't following the rules, they were likely doing it not because, again, out of anger or uh, missing things, but rather they just uh, were thinking about today in themselves. Can these findings be applied to help flatten the curve again, especially among young adults, and, and how so? Yeah, I think they can be. Uh, in particular, they suggest that you know appeals to uh, doing this for the benefit of other people or think of what's going to happen with a lockdown another five to eight months or maybe sooner, uh, those kinds of appeals aren't going to work for the youth who are already breaking the rules. The youth who are following the rules already care about that. So repeating that message isn't going to be helpful. You're going to need something that's going to have a more immediate impact on them, and that could be things like telling them uh, you know, that they might not die, but they'll end up in the hospital, or these new fines that have been uh, raised by various governments. If you applied them to some of the students and young adults, that might have the desired effect. Uh, Brock, Professor of Child and Youth Studies, Tony Volk is the study's lead author, and you're listening to The Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Rick, in for Scott. Um, we see that the messaging that Public Health Canada has certainly uh, gone with is, uh, listen, if you're a young adult, we're seeing you know 60 to 70 percent of the new cases in this um, you know uh, under 40 uh, year old category, and the message has been, listen, get tested or wear a mask or socially or physically distance because we don't want your parents or grandparents or older people in general to get sick, and it appears, given that the numbers are going back up, that the message is being lost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, there's a significant proportion of young adults who are getting that message and listening to the message, but there's also a sizable group who aren't, and that message has no effect on them. Uh, Based on their personality traits, that's exactly the wrong approach that you want to take with these people. Think of other people, think long-term. They're just not doing that. This study found some other findings as well, including um, how this pandemic, how uh, people with higher incomes are able to kind of cope a little bit better, which is, I guess, not surprising. Yeah, in particular, they're able to get more social support. Um, And you can imagine if you've got a nice backyard patio, uh, you can have people over more easily. Um, You have the resources to drive yourself in a car back and forth versus if you're living in an apartment, a small apartment downtown, and you rely on public transportation. Um, there's real advantages to being able to have that kind of control, you know, being able to order groceries at a more expensive rate to have them delivered. Um, so there's lots of advantages, unfortunately, that uh, go along with having money and disadvantages if you don't have it. Uh, this uh, finding is uh, certainly um, uh, disturbing, I guess is a word uh, that I can use. Parents who have many children are likely to seek out avoidance strategies such as consuming more alcohol as a way of coping. Yeah, that was. I agree that was one of the, the findings that we were uh, taken aback by and really not uh, happy to see. These are younger parents, um, so younger parents who have multiple children, that's a really tough time. Uh, and unfortunately, a, a number of those parents are turning to things like alcohol, uh, drug use, um, something like marijuana to relieve the stress, which of course is the last thing you want with parents locked at home with their kids. 
And in the not-so-surprising category, women are more likely to engage in problem-solving, but they have greater anxiety, while men are more likely to practice avoidance behaviors and display higher selfishness and or recklessness. We, we shouldn't be surprised by this. No, and in fact, to be fair, a number of the, the findings about young adults and, and men and women and uh, income were all uh, sort of in line with what you'd expect. But at the same time, it does highlight the need for more nuanced messages. So, you know, the caring for others may be a message that plays better with women than um, it does with men. So having different strategies aimed at the different groups is going to help us identify who's at risk and target them with better messaging. Do you expect to launch any sort of follow-up um, uh, survey or study? And do you, do you expect to do this with a different age group? What's the future goal of, of this kind of uh, uh, study or survey? Well, it's a great question. I mean, this was started back in May when we were guessing that a second wave was going to come and guessing that youth would be at the head of it because what we were seeing at the time in Europe um, so we would definitely like to follow it up. We have a few longitudinal studies of young adults over time that we're tracking to see how they're adjusting. And Pathstone uh, Mental Health here at, uh, in Niagara Falls has collaborations with Brock to track youth. So we definitely want to see not just how the messaging is playing out, but how mental health is playing out for these different groups over time. Tony, thanks for sharing uh, the information with us uh, today. My pleasure. Tony Volk is a professor in the Department of Child and Youth Studies at Brock University in the recently released study, The Influence of Demographics and Personality on COVID-19 Coping in Young Adults, suggests that young adults who are lax with abiding by COVID-19 protocols score low on the honesty, humility, and conscientiousness categories of a scale measuring personality traits. Basically, what it boils down to, it found that introverts find it more difficult coping with the isolation of lockdowns than their extroverted counterparts. And if you want to get youth to abide by COVID-19 protocols, it might take some hard lessons like higher fines or expulsions from school. I'm not sure what kind of penalty that would be. Uh, emphasizing that uh, COVID-19 can still make young adults very sick. I, I think there is, I don't know, some kind of perceived immunity. And we do know that just looking at the statistics, uh, older generations are vastly and uh, greater, greatly more affected by COVID-19. It's in black and white. However, there are many younger adults who have been hit hard by COVID-19, maybe not individually, but maybe with a family member. So these individuals, we all really have to look at the bigger picture when it comes to the pandemic. Still to come, we'll talk about Rolling Stone's revamped 500 greatest albums of all time. And we'll uh, chew on, well, actually, I don't want to chew on it, but we'll discuss <laughs> Pumpkin Spice Craft Dinner. Uh, we have some odds and ends, celebrity birthdays as well to get to. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Wow, a lot of work went into this. Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. It's been revamped again. Yeah, it was originally published in 2003. And uh, despite the fact that nearly 20 years have passed, the list still remains widely popular and polarizing. Nearly 63 million readers last year alone, according to Rolling Stone. But hey, as we know, 2020 is much different 
than 2003 for <laughs> a number of reasons, but musically as well. The music industry has evolved. Uh, the times have changed. Uh, we've had a bunch, a slew, an armada of new musicians come to the fold, many of whom were you know, children in 2003. The editor of Rolling Stone uh, magazine, Jason Fine, says uh, the goal wasn't to update the list, but blow it up and recreate it from scratch, reflecting both the canon of pop music and the other shifting currents of taste. And so how this worked was Rolling Stone tallied more than 300 ballots from music industry professionals and musicians. And from what I understand, even some uh, music superstars like Beyonce and Taylor Swift uh, were involved in this process. The new list includes 154 new entries and 86 albums. It includes uh, a more diverse uh, genre. There's three times as many rap albums represented on the new list as the original list way back in 2003. So we need it somehow. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest music guy. I love music. But I'm not hardcore into music. I'm not into the nitty gritty of the music scene. But I know who is. And that's Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, shameless idealist, and he joins us now on the Scott Thompson Show. Eric, how are you? I'm good. I just finished listening to all 500 albums all at the same time. <laughs> and it sounds horrible. Wow. So I wouldn't advise doing that. Yeah. This is a massive project. Yeah, and one that I kind of used to wait for every couple of years when Rolling Stone... Um, put it out in a print edition. There was always, you know, when they were celebrating their 40th anniversary and the 50th anniversary of the magazine, uh, every couple of months they would put the best albums of the 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s and so forth. And it was a great read because you had the greatest music journalists of our time writing about some of your favorite albums. And even though that, you know, people may not need to hear about what made Nirvana great, or yet another couple of paragraphs on the Beach Boys. It's really nice to have that perspective now, 50 years later for some albums, on how it relates to today. And I think now is the perfect time for Rolling Stone to do their top 500 album list, because number one at What's Going On by Marvin Gaye might not have been number one if this was this time last year. Yeah, it, it obviously has to do with what is happening in our time. So, you know, social justice, uh, uh, you know, systemic racism, reforming what has been the norm for eons. Uh, th that's, you know, some of the hot topics, and, and rightfully so, of the day. So, yeah, having that album at number one makes sense. But before we get to and I, I do want to kind of intersperse some of the albums in the top 10, especially, because those are obviously the highlights of this list. We're not going to go through all 500, but... What makes a great album? Is it more than just having great songs? Yeah, and I think that that's kind of lost on to, on the new and up-and-coming generation of music lovers, is that while we're all living in a singles world and a video world on YouTube or creating, you know, seven-second videos on TikTok, the actual experience of listening to an album from beginning to end doesn't really resonate that much with with the younger generation. And I'm not just saying that because I'm old. I'm just saying that because, you know, there hasn't been a, a lot of superstar artists that have done nothing more than create a whole bunch of songs and put them on an album with no ebb and flow, no start. There's no real process 
or thinking process of of the actual um, the actual order of songs. There's not a whole lot of thought process in sometimes the album cover creation. I mean, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys is a perfect album cover. Dark Side of the Moon, What's Going On, Sgt. Pepper. I'm not sure that anybody is on a record label that would even spend more than $1,000 on their album cover right now. Um, so I think it's everything. It's the whole package. What does it say about the times that we're living in right now, but yet takes a look at the past and where they've come from, but also has one step in maybe bringing the music world onto their shoulders. And we can say that a lot about any one of these top 10 albums is that they took what was given to them and influenced them to become an artist in the first place, but also changed music's direction all the while nobody had any clue that most of these albums would be as successful as they are now. Certainly not talking about them 50 or 60 years later. Uh, at number 10, Lauren Hill, uh, the misdirection of Lauren Hill was released in 1998. Uh, she won, I think it was five Grammy awards at the time, uh, was her first and only studio album, uh, a huge hit. Number eight, Bob Dylan's blood on the tracks, which was a masterpiece at number eight. One of my favorite albums of all time, purple rain, uh, from Prince, uh, you know, one of those albums, Albums where you can listen to at any point in your lifetime and the music just speaks to you. Yeah, I agree. And especially because everybody thought at Warner Pictures, the company that actually produced Purple Rain and his record label, nobody thought that this was a good idea. I mean, have Prince came off of the 1999 double album, superb record, but giving him a $100 million budget to create a film was in. Sanity. <laughs> and so they lowered the budget. And and on top of that, he, he didn't even act anywhere. So for him to be first billing of a major motion picture and create the soundtrack and help write it based on his life story, um, I wouldn't even bet that he would have done it. But, you know, here we are. Um, and I think that surprise element that everything connected making Prince's star into the stratosphere that most artists still look back and say that was pretty astounding what he was able to accomplish. No doubt about it. Eric Alper is our guest here on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Scott. We're talking about uh, Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors is in at number seven. At number six, Nirvana on Nevermind. And, you know, whenever you launch a genre or at least uh, are the touchstone of a genre that's that's got to be on the list. Yeah, for sure. And then that's not a that's not a note for artists out there to start creating their own musical style and mixing polka and jazz. We don't <laughs> want that kind of we don't want that. What we want is um you know the sudden impact and the hit you squarely in the face of punk music of the old style of early U2 or the Ramones or the Sex Pistols mixed with songs that could have been written by John and Paul of the Beatles or Brian Wilson. And that's exactly what, uh, what Kurt Cobain did, knocking Michael Jackson's Dangerous off of the top of the Billboard charts and changing music. It goes back to what I was saying before. It was like, then suddenly you had Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Tad. And, oh, I'm still wearing... I'm still wearing a plaid shirt when ripped jeans and my doc. So I'm still living back at like 1991 all over again. 
but that's when you know that you've got a good album when you when you kind of go outside of music and start changing things sounding like it's a revolution more than anything else uh, the Beatles' Abbey Road at number five, another uh, uh, amazing album. At number four, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, let's go through the top three. Joni Mitchell's Blue album. Um, a lot of great songs on this one. Sure, absolutely. And this album came out of, um, you know, it was always deemed a classic album by Rolling Stone magazine, but leaping into the top three position um, is, is not a surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise. Um, one of the other big surprises, which you briefly mentioned, which was Abbey Road at number five, completely knocking Sgt. Pepper's off of the top 10, which it was number one for the longest time. But of course, Abbey Road has seemingly had more vinyl sales in the last 10 years than any other Beatles album combined. But with Joni Mitchell's Blues, she definitely led the way for the female singer-songwriter that we know and love today. Without Joni Mitchell's Blue, there's no Taylor Swift, there's no Ariana Grande, there's no Carly Rae Jepsen, uh, there's no Lady Gaga. And even if they they did happen to come along, their music is very different. Just the whole introspectiveness actually created Adele, you know, um, and its ideals of Joni Mitchell still doing what she wants to do, even if that's smoking a, a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. Nobody tells Joni Mitchell what to do. <laughs> yeah, and her influence is still being heard today, that's for sure. Beach Boys Pet Sounds at number two. I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. They just have a great sound. Yeah, explain this one to me because I've I've long look. I I don't knock the Beach Boys. I certainly don't knock Pet Sounds. Um, I know that in order for this to be released, that's when John and Paul from the Beatles said, "Well, you know, we're going to go and create our own." And then they created Sgt. Pepper and and blew everything away. Um, but. I, I never got into this record and I know that there's great songs like Caroline No and God Only Knows is always, you know, top of the list or near the top when it comes to the greatest songs of all time. This album emotionally doesn't do it for me. So let me ask you, are you a Beach Boys fan or do you just really love this record? I think I'm more of a Beach Boys fan than loving the record. Uh, I think I would put more of their singles higher than any of their albums because none of the albums in their totality are phenomenal. But there's two or three songs in each album where right. you could point to to say, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing song. Sure. And probably growing up in Hamilton, you were thinking about, hey, I want to go surf in USA, <laughs> or yeah. I want to go drive down, you know, X Village like it's Pasadena Drive. And yeah, I mean, there's something definitely to be said about you know, I can't remember what artist told me this, but somebody once said that the Beach Boys created California. I mean, they invented California <laughs> as, as we think of it with the sun and the surf and the girls and bikinis and the boardwalk and the ice cream and, and, and the drag racing. And all of that stems from, you know, the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and, and other artists. But yeah, you know, maybe it's time I give this one a real hard listen because I mean, I don't have anything else to listen to, so why not? <laughs> there you go. And, and number one, I mean, and, and this is a you know great placement for Marvin Gaye, who, you know, for me personally, I think sometimes is overlooked as one of the great artists of all time. But, yeah. you know, What's Going On is just a, a great album that really speaks to what's going on today. 
Yeah, I still listen to this album about once a month, and they actually have a great expanded edition with a live album as part of it from back in 1972-73. That's phenomenal when he was at the top of the game, you know, especially because Marvin Gaye was kind of stumbling around for an idea. His record label, Motown, hated this album hmm. when uh, when they first heard it. In fact, uh, Barry Gordy, the president of Motown, didn't even want to put it out. It was also one of the first albums to actually list in the credits of the album the musicians who played on the record and that was a very important step but i can't even imagine what twitter would be like if the beach boys pet sound was number one and marvin gay was number two Oof. so i'm glad to see that this kept that at the at the number one position again seemingly you know always in the top 10 but I don't think there's another album that could be more relevant that this old in music history right now. Yeah, totally agree. Eric, appreciate the time today. Hey, great. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. You got it. Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, shameless idealist. By the way, What's Going On was number six back on the list in 2003. And uh, last year's number one, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band dropped to number 24 on the list. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. I mentioned this earlier, and we're going to talk about it right now. So you can call in with your thoughts. You can email rick at 900CHML.com, on Twitter at AM900CHML, or at Rick Samprin. Should Halloween be canceled this year? I know it's frightening because of COVID-19. It would certainly, I mean, kids would be devastated. It'd be disappointing for children. It would, would it be damaging in any way to their emotional well-being? I mean, think about being a kid. I mean, Halloween for adults is a different, much different thing. It's like Christmas. Very different feeling from when you're a kid to when you're an adult. Complete 180. When you're a kid, you're excited. I mean, your juices are flowing. You're bouncing off the walls. You cannot wait for Halloween to come about because you know you're getting free candy, free chocolate, free goodies, sweets and treats. It is the most remarkable day on the calendar aside from Christmas. But a novel coronavirus has reared its ugly head. And we got to be safe. And I'm still not sold on how we can do this safely. Should Halloween be canceled this year? Are you planning to send your children out for Halloween? 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Rick at 900CHML.com is the email address. You can also chime in on Twitter at AM900CHML, at Rick Zamprin. And if Halloween is canceled... What would you miss the most? What would what do you think your kids would miss the most? Probably the free treats, I would think. There's one community in Canada that has canceled Halloween. One up until this point. I know there's been a lot of talk about it. Premier Doug Ford a few weeks ago mentioned Halloween and some of the questions around whether it was going to go ahead. That one community in Canada that has canceled Halloween is Woodstock, New Brunswick. Yes, the first town in Canada to officially ban trick-or-treating due to COVID-19, but I'm sure it's not going to be the last one. Now, some residents in that community are relieved. You know, it's it's a weight off their shoulders. 
pressure is off. Others, they're steaming mad because they want the annual celebration to continue. Uh, If you can go to uh, 900CHML.com, you can read up on this story, but I'll give you some of the highlights. Uh, One individual, Calvin Morgan from Woodstock, New Brunswick, said, quote, I very much disagree with it because they're taking this COVID thing too far. Yes, COVID is out there, but we have no cases. And if you want to go to someone's house and the light is on and they are welcoming you, then I think you should. Another person said they have no right to ban it and to not allow us to go trick-or-treating if we feel like we should. I'm picturing bylaw officers in Woodstock, New Brunswick on Halloween night ticketing people who are trick-or-treating. Some, on the other hand, agree with the safety measure. Sheila Barrow says, quote, I think it's a great idea to have it canceled. The schools are doing all they can to protect our children, and I don't think going door-to-door is the right way to do it for Halloween. Woodstock City Council voting unanimously to ban door-to-door trick-or-treating just a week ago. And the mayor, Arthur Slip, said, quote, I think a number of people are forgetting that we still are in a state of emergency. Our number one priority is to make sure that we protect the safety of our citizens within our community. Should Halloween be canceled? Because of COVID-19. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. You can email rick at 900chml.com. Tweet me at Rick Samprin or at am900chml. Tammy has called into the program. Tammy, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm okay. So should Halloween be canceled this year? Well, I would say yes. There's uh, Sometimes parents don't do the right thing, and COVID is now coming back around, and there's just... Like, kids have a habit of grabbing things out of the bag and eating them, so you don't know who's touched what, what's been where, and it's just not safe. Um, I I don't know why nobody's taking this seriously. Um, It's, like, I'm I'm saddened that it's probably going to take someone in their family, a close member for them to be on a respirator or worse, to realize that this is something that's real. And I'm tired of hearing everybody compare this to, Oh, it's the seasonal flu, blah, 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 blah. It's not the seasonal flu. It's a lot worse than the seasonal flu. And I'm just, um, like, for the safety of my kids, nobody's going out. Um, nobody um, is allowed to go anywhere that there's no social distancing. And we sterilize all the food that comes into our house. And that's just the way it is. Like, I think that if you just do it now, then it's better off in the long run. But nobody's listening. Have you had the conversation with your kids about whether or not Halloween will happen? And if it does, will they be going out? Oh, yeah. And they um, actually, my children are um, kind of well aware of what the potential dangers are. So they're fine with staying home. We're doing a backyard party. We're having a fire. We're roasting marshmallows. We're doing a hunt in the backyard. Like we're we're doing family stuff. And that's so I, I, maybe it's a little bit different for some families. Maybe they're not as family-oriented, but our, like, our family's not very, um, you know, like, uh, nobody's depressed, nobody's, do you know what I mean? Like, we're all, we just keep active within our own family and do things that um, kind of keep their mind off of other things. So, um, 
Well, yeah. I, re- I really like your Halloween plans. That backyard party sounds like a great idea. Your kids are going to have a blast. And who knows, it might turn into an annual tradition. Yeah, and, I, and, and when I say family, I don't mean like um, outside our family. Like we have, we have four kids and we have grandkids. And actually, when it's going to sound funny, but when COVID started, I like actually hauled all of my family to my house and said, we're quarantining together. So we actually have 10 people in the house, and we've been like that since the beginning of, of, wow. of COVID. Unreal. So, Tammy, appreciate the call. Thanks. Have a good Take one. Take care. Uh, tweets at Rick Zamprin and uh, John Goldie says, canceling Halloween or says who and upon what authority? That's A, laughable, B, hypocritical as long as schools are open, and C, a direct violation of our charter right of to freedom of assembly. Utterly ridiculous shame we cannot cancel fear. Back to the phones. Uh, is it Dorothea or Dorothy? Dorothea, how are you? Fine, thank you, Rick. Oh, my goodness, this is weird. You know what? Um, I buy, I always give out the, you know, chocolates, you know, small chocolates, you know, and then a bag of chips. So if, and, and if people would just do that and not give, you know, stuff that, that's not wrapped, you know, then I'm, I'm going to buy, I'm, I'm going to expect children to come to my door. And a lot of them wear masks anyways, and I'll wear a mask. I guess the fear is if if you or if someone has COVID-19 and they're touching something that is going to be transferred to someone else, I think there's a big fear about that. But you're not too concerned about that. No, because uh, you know what? Uh, these are chocolates and they're and you can, you know, when the kids uh, open the chocolate, they can they can still wipe the wipe the outside. But I wouldn't put anything. I wouldn't give them anything that's not wrapped. So a bag of chips and a chocolate bar. That's what I would give to the kids that come out. All right. That makes sense. Do you think Halloween is going to be canceled? No, I'm God. I hope not. I mean, you know, like I said, most of the kids that come around um, are um, they wear masks anyways. And then I also enjoy that for the teenagers to come out and, and you know, because just because they're teenagers, why shouldn't they also come out? You know, Dorothea, appreciate the call. Thanks and enjoy the day. You're welcome and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I, I draw the line on teenagers. Once you get into the 16-year-old <laughs> category, that's it. You're cut off. Get out. And on the masks issue, I know kids will be wearing masks, but they usually have holes in those masks, <laughs> right, for for breathing purposes. So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on the mask and if their entire mouth and nose is covered. I guess they could, you know, pass for a, a facial covering, but uh, I'm not sure the, the mask... Uh, answer is going to be a legitimate one in terms of you know curbing potential spread of COVID-19. Naomi has called into the program. Hey, Naomi, how are you today? Oh, I think we just lost Naomi. I think it was the double click. I clicked the button and unclicked the button. Naomi, if you're listening, we have some time. Call us back. We'll discuss whether or not Halloween should be canceled. Yes. They're crying in the streets. New Brunswick health officials, by the way, said that they're working on creating recommendations for a safe Halloween during COVID-19. And that makes sense. You know, Tammy brought up the backyard bash scenario. That is a great idea. Hey, listen, kids, uh, we're not going out for Halloween because, well, hey, we're in a pandemic. We want to be safe. But here's the alternative. We're going to have a backyard Halloween bash. It's just going to be us, you know, our, our, our social bubble, and we're going to have a blast. Naomi has called back into the program. Will, can you put her on? I'm having difficulties with this line. There you are. Naomi, how are you? 
I'm good, Rick. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks for, uh, or pardon me, uh, sorry for hanging up on you. Thanks for calling oh, that's back. Okay. I, I just wanted to say, like, in our house, we're not canceling Halloween, and we're not going to tell our kids that Halloween's canceled. Um, like, we can still have fun. We can still do other things. Trick-or-treating is not going to go ahead this year for us just because we have a little one who has asthma, and we just want to do our best to protect him as much as we can this year. So we're still going to dress up. We're still going to have the treats. We're, we're probably going to do a couple scary movies instead because I think Halloween is on a Friday or Saturday, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, you know, and let them stay up a little bit and still have fun, still make it enjoyable for them. But they don't there's so much that's been changing for them, even if the government says, you know, Halloween's canceled this year. I I would have a hard time telling that to my kids. I, I just want to, I want to protect them as much as possible, but at the same time, still let them have fun and still let them be kids. It's a great thought. How old are they? Um, six and eight, and they're both little boys. Okay. Yeah, so they're in that range where they kind of know what's going on, but, you know, if if you, you know, shield them from, you know, some bad news, and, and I like your approach because they don't really need to know. Yeah, that's how I feel, and I feel like there's been so much that has been changing for them anyways, like wearing masks to school, um, even, you know, when we did the homeschooling for a few months there, they didn't get to see their friends for the longest time, you know. And my little ones, they want to go see a movie, and we can't take them to the movie theater right now. Like, we just have to protect their health, but at the same time, we have to be a little bit creative with uh, with what we do with them. It makes sense. And by the way, Halloween is on a Saturday, and I believe it's a full moon as well this year, so that should be extra spooky. Yeah, exactly. We'll have fun. <laughs> Naomi, have fun on that day, and thanks again for calling. Thanks. Bye. Uh, you got a couple minutes if you want to chime in on whether or not Halloween should be canceled or whether or not you think it will be canceled and if it's not and you have kids are you planning to send them out for halloween 905-645-3221 star 9900 on your cell email rick at 900 chml.com or on twitter at rick samprin or at am 900 chml yeah i mean that is going to be there, there's got to be, you, you got to figure, there's going to be a timeline or a deadline that provincial health officials have put in place. And I would not be surprised sometime very soon, probably within the month of October. I would say a couple of weeks in advance. If I'm looking at the calendar, you know, October 15th, you're, you're two weeks away from Halloween. I would not be surprised if Premier Doug Ford got up in his daily COVID-19 news conference and said, Sorry, kids. But Halloween is canceled. I mean, that's a scary thought. And not in a scary sense that people are losing their lives. But for kids, it's it's a day that they've looked forward to. But if you're like Naomi and Tammy and you have, you know, those plans already in the back of your mind to say, hey, we're going to celebrate a little bit differently. I think that's okay. And listen, if Halloween is not canceled and parents take their kids out, that's fine, too. I'm not against that. Yeah, that, that freedom of assembly and and freedom of expression to wear the mask and the uniform or the uh, the costume that you want, go right ahead. But there are many individuals that will say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to play it safe this year. At the end of the day, it's only candy. And being with your family and friends and maybe celebrating a different way might not be such a bad thing. Uh, i got to mention this because uh, you heard the... Um, uh, during the 2 o'clock news, Ted played a, 
Uh, a report out of the U.S., the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, had issued recommendations for Halloween. We know that, uh, I think it's L.A. or L.A. County that has canceled Halloween, saying, you know what, we're, we're not holding Halloween this year. Um, and I think it was Naomi who was basically saying, listen, we're probably just going to stay indoors and watch a couple of movies. It, it appears the pandemic, speaking of being scared, the pandemic has not scared people off from going to see a movie. And we get more from Global's Sandy Salerno. Theaters sat empty for more than three months during COVID-19, but Cineplex says Canadians have come back to the big screen in a big way. Over 1.5 million people have returned to its theaters and entertainment venues since they reopened across the country. To get them back, Cineplex offered things like cheaper movie tickets, reserved and distant seating, and increased cleaning. Now it seems moviegoers miss more than just catching a flick. Since July 1st, guests consume more than 460 million kernels of popcorn, more than 60 million flu ounces of pop and nearly 60,000 hot dogs. Sandy Salerno, Global News. All right, last call on this topic of whether Halloween should be canceled. We go to Pete, who is called into the program. Hey, Pete. Hello. Hello, Pete. Go ahead. I think it should be canceled One for two reasons. One, the pandemic we're having, and two, for 364 days a year, we tell our kids not to take candy from strangers, and yet on that given night, we go around the whole neighborhood streets we don't even walk down on a regular day and we're going to a stranger's house for candy it just blows my mind well thanks a lot for the call pete uh that's why we have parent supervision (laughs) we're not we're not unleashing our children into the neighborhood to say all right fend for yourself get some candy we'll hopefully see you back here Uh, that's not how it works yes we teach them not to take candy from strangers but we're, we also tell them not to go inside people's houses on Halloween. Don't be alone on Halloween. Don't crisscross the street on Halloween. Don't wear a dark costume on Halloween. Yes, we have some rules in place. And maybe we'll step a little bit over the line on Halloween in terms of taking candy from strangers. But I think we're missing the point if we're getting going down that uh, rabbit hole. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, fall is officially here. It officially arrived, what was it, yesterday at 930 in the morning? So naturally, and you know, this has happened over the last, I'd say, a good solid week. It's pumpkin spice everything. You see it in your favorite drive-thru, hey, pumpkin spice this or pumpkin spice that. You see it in the grocery store, you see it on your TV commercials. But the question is... Are there boundaries on what we put the festive spice on? Well, there should be. CHML's Diana Weeks tells us about the latest food to fall victim to the autumn craze. But would you eat pumpkin spice, craft dinner? Well, Kraft Heinz Canada has announced it's adding the popular seasonal spice mix to one of its iconic comfort foods. Pumpkin Spice Craft Dinner, or PSKD, will be launching in October to, quote, please KD lovers and the cult following of pumpkin spice latte aficionados. Only 1,000 lucky people will get their hands on the new product, and Kraft says Canadians have already started signing up for the online waitlist to be notified when PSKD drops. The only question remaining is, of course, ketchup or no ketchup. Diana Weeks, 900 CHML News. No ketchup on the original and certainly no ketchup on pumpkin spice craft dinner. <laughs> Scary. Can't go there.
All right, odds and ends and celebrity birthdays for you. This one out of Mason, Michigan, where that, I'm not sure if you heard this story. There was a complaint in Michigan about a toilet being promoted as a place to drop absentee ballots. Well, this complaint now has gone down the tubes. A prosecutor has flushed the beef after determining the complaint didn't hold water. All right, enough of the puns. Uh, It started when the election clerk in Ingham County reported to police about a toilet on the front lawn of a home in a town near Lansing, Michigan. And the sign read, Place mail-in ballots here. Well, the clerk noted that it's a crime to take a legal possession of an absentee ballot. But prosecutors say there's no evidence anyone was trying to do that. Rather, it appeared it was just an attempt to make a funny political statement. People just do not have a sense of humor these days. To Morganton, North Carolina we go, where a dog, a scary story, a dog has been rescued after falling into a North Carolina sinkhole and was rescued by a group of mountain bikers who were riding along uh, this trail and spotted the dog that was trapped 30 feet down into this sinkhole. So they called for help. Rescuers got to the scene. Riders led them more than a mile to the animal, which apparently had been stuck for days. Rescuers repelled into the sinkhole, lured the dog out with, what else, some beef jerky, and used a harness to lift the dog to safety. Now, the good news is the dog was not injured, but it was starving and dehydrated. So hopefully a quick recovery for that dog. And uh, finally, out of Macomb, Mississippi, one thing uh, to get a knock on the door and have someone come through that door. But when a woman in Mississippi, in Mississippi pardon me, went through her door last week, this is her front door, she got a knock on the head. She's thinking, what's going on here? Well, that knock came in the form of a snake that had somehow ended up on the top of her door. This woman's name is Christina Mitchell and says when she got home, she felt a thump on her head. And she's looking around and finally sees this 10-inch snake just inside the door. So the snake slithers off into the kitchen. She goes off to find a broom and uses this broom to sweep the serpent out of the house. And this is when it gets interesting because Mitchell then says that the snake struck a, quote, striking pose as she tried to usher it out of the house. But she says after a stare down, both she and the snake went their separate ways. So there was no fisticuffs, if you will. What she should have done was got some pumpkin spice KD, sprinkled it all all over the snake, and the snake would have hightailed it out of there within seconds. That would have been the quick fix. Ugh, still can't. Can't digest the thought. Can't even digest the thought of pumpkin spice craft dinner. Just not a pumpkin spice guy. Okay, celebrity birthdays for this day, September the 23rd. Singer Julio Iglesias is 77 today. Rock legend Bruce Springsteen. Can you believe this? The boss is 71 today. Golfer Larry Mize is 62. Actor Jason Alexander, best known, I think, for playing George Costanza on Seinfeld, is 61. NFL head coach John Harbaugh, he leads the Baltimore Ravens. He's 58 today. And golfer Ian Leggett, Canadian Ian Leggett, is 55 today. Also born on this date, but no longer with us, Roman Emperor Augustus Caesar was born on this day in 63 B.C. Actor Mickey Rooney, jazz star John Coltrane, and singer Ray Charles also born on this date. If you're celebrating a birthday today, have a happy one. Big thanks to all our guests today. Uh, Producers Will Erskine, Liz Russell, thank you very much. And thank you for listening 
to The Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.